welcome back into the Irish NFL show as we build up to the new business here, the NFL season. Uh, free agency next week, tapping period on Monday. Um, we discussed a number of teams over the course of the past two weeks. And today I'm delighted to be joined by the Orlando Ned Bennett, who's been on us a number of times from the Atlanta Constitution. The Orlando, it's great to have you back on. Oh, thanks for having me. Glad to be on the show again. Dear Orlando, we, we, we spoke to you all being very briefly in Arizona a couple of weeks ago. Uh, how did you enjoy uh, what was a, a fantastic Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, it was a uh, a very uh, busy time, a great um, uh, Super Bowl game ended up living up to the expectations. Uh, and, um, you know, good uh, good installment there by the both teams, the Eagles and the Chiefs. Yeah, really great game, and obviously the Chiefs came out on top. It's, a, it's strange in a way that it doesn't seem that long ago that we were watching the end of the season, yet we've had the combine, and we're, we're not too far away from free agency. This week we've had all the the franchise tags and the non-exclusive franchise tags, and we're here today to discuss the Falcons, who have over 60 million in, in cap space and look like a team that need a lot, have a lot of holes to fill, and... In all likelihood, you would expect them to be quite aggressive next week in free agency. But I want to start with Lamar Jackson, if you don't mind. And I'm sure you've had that question asked of you this week already since he was um, tagged with the non-exclusive tag. And there was a lot of reports quickly out there that the Falcons, the Panthers, other teams are, are not willing to consider Lamar Jackson. Where do you sit on this? And do you think it's... A case that the Falcons, in particular, are just not willing to show their hand this early in the in the process. And do you think it is something that they really will consider pursuing come next week on on the uh, the fifteenth when the business when he went? I suppose when Lamar Jackson's in a position to start talking to other teams. Yeah, the Falcons are kind of a, a, a contrarian type of team. You know, they'll try to go the way you don't think they should. Uh, out of you know, out of oh, that's just the way they think that. Uh, they should do business. They don't want all their uh, operations uh, publicized. But in this case, it was a little stunning that they were quick to, um, you know, downplay the Lamar scenario because they went after Deshaun Watson last year, and he had major baggage with the sexual misconduct cases. So, um, you know, if they do want to go after Lamar, they don't want to do it publicly. Uh, but, you know, if you want to add players to your team, uh, you know, you have to, you know, make a move and, and you have to make an offer sheet. And it looks like they're not going to. They're going to choose to build out the team uh, in a more prudent fashion and then worry about uh, the quarterback, whether it's Desmond Ritter or if they go get C.J. Stroud or, or Will Levis or Anthony Richardson in the draft. Uh, but right now, um, you know, we we're in Atlanta believing that Lamar would be a pretty good upgrade for the Atlanta Falcons and uh, for the fans. So we're uh, the fans and our, our colonists here at the AJC, Mike Cunningham, uh, believe they should pull out all stops to get Lamar Jackson, and they're not doing that. Yeah, you touched on it there, and I was going to come to that because we're 12 months removed from when they were really aggressive and trying to pursue Deshaun Watson, who has a lot of off the field issues and you know obviously we know how that played out and Lamar Jackson in fairness to him over the course of his career has been a really clean pair in the sense that he doesn't cause any trouble off the field he's kind of the ideal professional 
And, you know, I wonder, is there a case of they are really keen, but they just don't want to show their hand too soon? Because last year when they didn't get Watson and they signed Mariotti, it essentially went from a team that was looking to be all in now in terms of getting Sean Watson to a team that essentially then accepted we're going to rebuild. And Mariotta was always going to be like a, a standing quarterback for a year. And obviously that's kind of transpired that he's been released. So do you think there's a certain element because of that they didn't get Watson last year, they don't want to find themselves in the same situation again this year if they were to go in for them and only not to be successful? Yeah, I, um. Uh, I don't think that, you know, that's part of it. You got to go after them, uh, whether if you think it can improve your football team, it doesn't hurt you in the long run. If you don't get them, you're still in the same place. But um, Eric DaCosta, the Ravens GM, said, hey, um, you know, we don't want to live in the world where we don't have a quarterback, and that's a bad world to live in. Right now the Falcons are, are living in that bad world, and they have to do – uh, whatever they can to, to get out of it. And uh, whether that's Desmond Ritter, uh, it wasn't Derek Carr. They passed on Justin Fields, Kenny Pickett, and Mac Jones. Uh, so they're being selective. They're not getting in the Aaron Rodgers situation that we know of. Uh, you know, maybe Jared Goff becomes free if uh, Lamar goes to Detroit. But, uh, you know, they're, they're choosing to keep their draft capital and keep their money. Uh, close to their vests and, and count on the fact that they can coach and develop players to turn this team around. Do you think there was enough sample size from what they saw from Desiree Ritter over the course of the games in which he did play towards the end of the season that there's a bit of a comfort level that they could look to use him or potentially consider him as a starting quarterback? I, I, I look at the Washington Commanders and somehow kind of similar scenario was drafted last year they only gave him an opportunity late in the season, but yet they're coming out and saying already, you know, for the time being, they're going to consider him to be the starting quarterback. Do you see a scenario where they, they feel there's enough there with Ritter to potentially move on with him? And maybe that's the reason why they're not going into this quarterback market. Or is it a case potentially that they are holding out for his draft? Bearing in mind, they're picking eight. They like the others. One of those four quarterbacks that we all saw at the combine last week should be there at all come you know, all going according to plan and no massive trades in between that they shouldn't have be in a position to pick a quarterback at eight. Yeah, no doubt. They, well, um, you know, they have, we've given them every opportunity to say, hey, we're riding with Ritter. They won't do it. Uh, they're not going to anoint him, is what, anoint him is what Terry Fontenot said. Uh, and so, um, you know, the door is open for all this wild speculation. So when they won't say he's a quarterback of the future, which would allow us to move on to looking at other things, you know, maybe they've already uh, come to the decision that he is and they got to ride with him. But, you know, we need to, you know, they can tell us that, but they might think it's some top secret or something that they're going to stay with the quarterback on the roster. Uh, you know, they uh, think some of this stuff is proprietary information, but they take public funding from the from the uh, governments to help build the stadiums and help subsidize them. So it's at best a, a partial private public entity, whereas they uh, don't want to share the information with their fans. So that's one scenario that they're riding with Ritter and they just don't want to say it. And then that, cause they feel it might compromise some of the deals they can make along the way. Uh, but, and then the other, other uh, school of thought is that, Hey, they're in the full quarterback market. 
So they got to look at everybody that comes down the pike. And so when they don't look at Lamar, then that gives you pause and like, okay, are you really looking to improve the quarterback position? Or are you just playing, um, you know, information games with us and so forth? If you're trying to prove, improve the quarterback position and a league MVP becomes available, you should be trying to sign it. And they're not doing that. From your own personal perspective, having been to all the games and reporting the games, what did you think of Ritter from, from what you saw? Do you think there's a, a, enough of an upside there that if they were to get to September and he's the quarterback, that they could potentially still have a good season? Uh, what I was impressed about uh, you, uh, is the fact that he and Drake London had a, a clear chemistry, and uh, he was able to get the ball to Drake London. He was able to get the ball to McCall Pruitt in the red zone. Now, um, you know, uh, you're going to need to do more than that. You got to keep growing, got to keep progressing. Uh, but early on, um, when I was covering the Packers in Green Bay, they had a quarterback by the name of Brett Favre. Brett Favre could not read the whole field yet. But what he did was he leaned on Sterling Sharp. He threw him 15, 15 balls a game. So uh, that's a good sign that you're able to get into him that much. And now, you know, they could build off of that. They could build off of that tree when Carl Pitts comes back uh, and uh, start moving the ball around. The Packers didn't have a running game, but Coach Holmgren and, you know, Mariucci, Coach Gruden, Andy Reid, all these guys are there. At that time, they threw every screen in the book. They had 33 screens the one year they went to the Super Bowl. So um, the Falcons have a running game, so they don't have to do the screen thing, but he's got to be able to move the ball around. So he's off to a good start. It's promising. But, um, yeah, I don't know if I see, you know, I'm not trying to say he's Brett Favre. I'm just saying early on it's okay for you to lean on a receiver, and he did that. So uh, I want to see more. I want to see more is what I'm getting to uh, with Desmond Ritter. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, for his first season, Drake London, no matter which quarterback was playing with him, uh, was was really good. You know, a real great player. him have been a top 10 pick in this draft. You got Kyle Pitts. Cordell Patterson, you just saw a really strong running game. I mean, they've got they've got weapons there if they just get the right man in in place of quarterback. But I was going to ask you about this. I, I touched on earlier on at the start of the, of the the recording around. You know, I believe they'll be aggressive next week in free agency. Bearing in mind they've got the second most cap space available, over sixty million just behind. Well, the Bears are are miles clear on that front for overall, just short of a hundred million, but. Do you see a scenario similar to last year where the Jags were overpaying for players to get them in? Do you think the Falcons would go down that route again? Because we have seen in the past where teams will unfortunately have to overpay to get players in rather than try to sell them in terms of what the what the team is looking to do and what the general manager is looking to build. So where how do you see next week going? I look at like I read a report today this morning and it says what do the Falcons need to do with free agency? And this is quite a lot. They've got holes in a number of places. <laughs> and in particular, the offensive line. I mean, it's all when I'm going to have a cornerback. And if they do decide to go and pursue Lamar or, or, or whoever comes in, without an offensive line, he's not going to get very far. Is that one position of need in particular that you see them being tr- quite quite aggressive for free agency? Uh, yeah, um, Coach, uh, excuse me, Jim Terry said, just because they got the money, they're not going to throw it around. Uh, they're going to be cautious. And um, we got to size up a little bit differently uh, as the defensive line being our priority. Uh, they were, um, you know, uh, 
Uh, the offense did pretty good running the ball. Now, pass protection was the issue, and I'm going to get to the line second, offensive line second. But first, uh, defensively, they got to get somebody up front to help Gray Jarrett. There are three good people in the draft and one defensive end, or excuse me, in free agency. Uh, Javon Hargrave, they'll have to, he'll be costly, cost some money to get him. Uh, Delvin Tomlinson from uh, the Vikings, big 6'3", 325 nose tackle. Uh, he'd be a major upgrade for the Falcons. And then the third one is Daniel, or excuse me, David Oyamate from New Orleans, who would be reunited with his coach, uh, Ryan Nielsen. Uh, and the fourth defensive lineman that, um, you know, is on my list of 10 potential targets for the Falcons is Marcus Davenport. I was in the middle of his research. We know who he is. The uh, Saints traded up with Green Bay to get him at 14 a couple years back. He's had a so-so career. But, uh, you know, he'd be upgrade for the Falcons. So uh, those are the four, for those four targets, I could see them getting two. You know, Hargrave may cost too much. They might be happy with a Tomlinson-Davenport combo. And, uh, you know, um, that would that would be uh, upgrades on the defensive line. Uh, Daniel uh, Oyamata, I don't know what his market is, but uh, it could be Oyamata or Tom, Tomlinson and Davenport to come here in free agency. On the offensive line, they're not going to overspin there. Uh, they haven't uh, given Caleb McGarry his deal. Uh, Mike, Mike McGlinchey, former San Francisco 49er, was overdrafted at nine uh, by the 49ers. Matt Ryan's cousin, him and McGarry are the same guy. He's just 6'8", McGarry's 6'6". Six, six. Uh, they both gave up six sacks last year but uh McGlinchey and I could see them throwing you know they they throwing the deal on the table saying hey you know here's three years 10 million you know whichever one of them takes it you know they're coming back to Atlanta so uh they and then also at guard uh Nate Davis from Tennessee he was a, a guy out of uh Charlotte 49ers that uh, was there with Arthur Smith so you get McGlinchey and Nate Davis, then you got some quality linemen to come in here to try to firm up that pocket uh, and keep that running game going. So uh, that's that's my breakdown of the offensive and defensive lines, which have to be their top priorities in free agency. Yeah, I just touched on a few of them. Like I'll start on the defensive side as well. So Dalton Thompson. So as a Giants fan, I know him very well from his time with the Giants and like. And not a Giants fans even to today were are still kind of disappointed that you have to let him go. But unfortunately, it was a, it was again it was a cap situation at the time. It was pay Leonard Williams or pay Dalvin Thompson, and obviously Dalvin Thompson wanted to stay with the Giants, couldn't come to a deal, and he signed with the Vikings. He'd be he'd be a huge upgrade. He he's had a really good strong time with Minnesota. He continued to form, which he showed with the Giants. The Davenport one intrigues me because it's a divisional rival. And I know NFL players will look look past that, you know, if the deal is on the table and it's the right deal, and they buy into what's been, I suppose, presented to them in terms of the Falcons. So, but I did see, I did find that was a bit of a surprise that they were, they'd be in for Davenport. But who knows? It, if if it would make sense, it's a, it'd be a good fit. And um, McClinchy on the offensive line, I've seen him been suggested for the Bears a number of times, and that's why I asked with all overpaying of players because. If he's the marquee offensive line player out there potentially, and obviously having 
come off the 49ers who've had a great season do we find the Bears and the Falcons who have got the most cap available going against one another in the sense that who, who's, who's going to blink force in terms of getting in um, but a huge upgrade if they were to get yeah um, yeah going against the Bears would be tough he, he went to Notre Dame that's up that way but uh, yeah then I think the Falcons would just move on they're not going to break the bank on him the uh, uh, only break the bank guy in this thing for the Falcons would be um, uh, uh, would be Hargrave, which you know I heard out of Phillies looking at twenty million a year, uh, which they could do. But at eight thirty, I'm 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 thinking, uh, you know, four years that's a little much. Uh, very rarely do the uh, D linemen play into their you know thir- past thirty, you know, close to thirty five and so forth. You know, Fletcher Cox being the exception, <laughs> but uh, he's an awesome player. So that that I, I think they would move on. I don't have a backup tackle yet. I would have to just go down my list of 100 free agents and go to that. McGarry would be the probably the second one. They just have to bring him back, and uh, uh, you know, come up with a deal that both sides would be uh, happy with. And then last time we had you on, I think it was on a Thursday night prior to the game in which they played against the Panthers on the road, and I spoke to you that that evening about Lorenzo Carter. And, you know, I kept a keen eye on him, as I said, from, from his experience with the Giants. And he went to play for the Falcons. And obviously, he's, he's based out of there. He went to Georgia in college. And this week, it didn't come as a surprise to me to see that they were very keen to keep him and he signed the contract. Like, we're talking about new players coming in, but the how parents have used to keep players who've been really contributing over the course of the last two years, despite the, the tough times for the team? Yeah, no doubt. He got a, a, little, got a little raise. Uh, to uh nine million for two years he was at 3.5 so he's got a they gave him a little extra to come back uh so they were happy with his work and happy with his uh professionalism uh the rest of the guys uh you know it's McGarry Rashid Evans Alameda Zacchaeus and Isaiah Oliver you know I, I tried to talk to all of their agents uh Zacchaeus has a, a holding pattern McGarry's folks, uh, you know, they didn't tag him, so they didn't want to pay him eighteen million a year. They didn't want to pay him thirteen in the um, in the uh, fifth year option. So they, you know, that kind of set his market for them. Uh, of course, after playing his best season, he wants to get on the open market and see what he can get. So it's a look and see type of thing. And I talked to one uh, a member of the team uh, in the front office, and they're like, "Hey, you're talking about bringing back guys." that helped us go seven and ten so you know they think they could upgrade uh at all these positions they got 23 free agents they only signed one of them uh 24 25 depending on how you count the the ex the um, exclusive guys and so forth so um you know they're they're not they're not in a rush to bring any of these guys back uh they figure they're gonna be there on the street on the second uh wave of free agency if they can't get the targets uh, to improve at their position. So it's pretty clear uh, where they're headed here. Uh, you know, you got Lorenzo, and uh, I, I don't, I haven't heard of any other deals that are imminent. Uh, Rashawn Evans' agents is uh, upset with us because we broke the story on Jalen Carter uh, and his um, fleeing the scene in, in Athens. He usually gets right back to us, but maybe he's just busy with Jalen. But uh, haven't heard anything on Rashawn. Uh, but, uh, yeah, a uh, Heard from a lot of other agents, and they're like in a holding pattern with the Falcons because they they're not making them off. 
Yeah, I was just going to touch on, obviously, the combine was last week, and, you know, I don't think anybody expected the story to come out over the course of the week was around Jalen Carter and the situation. It kind of makes it even more intriguing around how this draft initially in the top 10 is going to is going to work itself out come the end of April because you've got the Bears who are, you know, no matter what we read and no matter what people say, they're clearly looking to get out at number one spot and try to stack the board with picks across, you know, whether it's this year or next year when you've got teams, really needy teams. I, I, I wonder, again, I'm, again, just ask the question around the fact that Falcons are picking at eight and you've got the Panthers picking at nine and the divisional rivals. You see a kind of a, a potential overpay from the Panthers because it seems very, very clear that their their plan is to take a quarterback. And because they've got a team in front of them from the division who may or may not want the quarterback and are not going to show their hand, do we see a scenario where some team, even if it's not the Panthers, uh, over-aggressively paying go up, to, go up the board to try to get up to as far as they can to take a quarterback? Yeah, keep an eye on the Panthers. A lot of buzz about them going all the way up to one, but not wanting to pay uh, the prices that we've seen in some of these other moves, the Trubisky move, RG3. Uh, you know, history has shown that they overpaid when you deviated from the Jimmy Johnson chart. So um, the Panthers are certainly uh, desperate. Their owner's pushing the envelope. He's done everything he can to, to get a quarterback in there. Um, and he's certainly going to try to do it here. But then when they go up, is it Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? Um, you know, uh, uh, the Falcons interviewed all those guys. They're not going to be there at eight. Maybe Richardson uh, will be there at eight, but certainly uh, Stroud will be gone, Young will be gone, Lovis will be gone, and um, then you'll have Richardson left. Uh, so um, at the pair. Panthers could sit at, at sit at nine, call the Falcons bluff, and have uh, Richardson fall to him. So uh, it'll be a lot going on here between now and April, April the 27th. The Bears are in no rush to do anything right now. The price goes up the longer they hold the hold the pick, and that's what we're expecting. Uh, I see Richardson as such an intriguing talent. You know, we saw what he did in Florida and. Like he, he kind of does remind me of a Lamar Jackson type kind of player. You know, obviously he's, he's got the skill set. We saw, you know, by all accounts, how well he came out of combine last week. Mm-hmm. I mean, just talk about people trading up necessarily, not trading up for for Young or for Stroud, but in particular, Richardson. Like, surely a team sitting at seven, eight, nine who wants a quarterback would be happy to see Richardson fall down to that number and they can, they can achieve their, their goal of a quarterback and take a player that. In three or four years, like you think about Lamar, he was the 32nd pick in the fourth round, but three years later, he was the best player of that particular draft class. Could, could we see the same scenario with Richardson potentially? Uh, yeah, no question about it. Um, you know, some of the, uh, you know, better quarterbacks, you know, went a little later. Uh, Dak, uh, Russell Wilson, uh, Jalen Hurts, second round. Uh, you know, they, they had a glitch in their game that some people didn't like. They weren't university, uh, you know, regarded. Lamar was passed on by every team in the league, and, including the Ravens, who had to trade back into the first round of getting. Uh, so uh, Richardson, though, uh, you know, the um, 54.7 completion percentage is an issue, but uh, the Eagles have shown that with the heavy RPO game, uh, and, um, you know, throwing the ball where Jalen can see and throw it uh, can work for you. He had a spectacular season. 
running the RPOs, a lot of one, two uh, reads, and then run. You know, I didn't see him scanning the field a whole lot, throwing up, you know, four and five reads and so forth. You know, the occasional bomb in there to keep people from jumping up. But uh, it was a really great scheme that they used to um, play to Jalen Street. Now, will teams around the league learn from that and learn how to use an athletic quarterback like uh, Richardson? And then can he uh, develop his passing touch like we've seen Jalen Hurts uh, do over the last couple years? So, you know, where he's not missing wide open receivers. He's putting the ball right on the money. So, um, you know, they used to say you couldn't teach accuracy. And uh, but then you, you have to learn what throws he can make and then make sure receivers in the spot where the ball's going to be. <laughs> and the Eagles did a great job of that uh, last year and uh, look forward to seeing that continue uh, with Jalen Hurts in uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, they say coach matters and we saw that with Josh Adam and Brian Dable Adam and you saw what Brian Dable has done with Daniel Jones over the course of the last season and you touched on Jalen Hurts there, how important it is to shelved it to coaching of a quarterback. I just want to wrap up, and it's a question around the division as a whole, because I think even in, even at this stage before free agency, if you were to go through all the divisions, you'd have a kind of general consensus of who the best team is. And then you look at the, the NFC South, and because of where we're at right now with the way things have transpired for the Bucks, for Brady, the sense of finally retiring, you've got the Panthers in flux with no quarterback, you've got the Falcons who are not showing their hand at this stage in terms of what they're going to do. And then this week, in a week where we've had quarterback contracts and tags, Derek Carr signs for the Saints. Do you see the Saints as right now as the team to beat in the division? I know it's kind of the easy question to ask this week and it's kind of gone around the house, but like Derek Carr, we've seen quarterbacks go into teams and it looks like it's the right fit. It looks like it makes sense. It all seems to, and then it just doesn't transpire for one reason or another. It just doesn't play out the way we all thought it would. Um, like Russell Wilson last year, for example, everybody thought that made sense. It hasn't made sense. It may it may make sense there with Sean Payton being there, but to no hasn't. Do you see Derek Carr is a good fit there? Did it come as a surprise that he didn't go to the Jets, albeit they're, they're holding out for Aaron Rodgers? Um, and your general thoughts on that, albeit? Yeah, the Saints would have to be the front runner right now. Derek Carr was a victim of uh, the Raiders' inability to put a defense out there. He had talent, he had Wilder, he had Devontae, uh, Ruggs before his uh, troubles, Josh uh, Josh um, at running back. And so, you know, they moved the ball on people. I saw the Chiefs games uh, in uh, 2021, not last season, both of those games from beginning to end, and they went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs offensively. They just couldn't stop anybody. And so the, the Raiders finally decided that that's all Derek Carr's fault. <laughs> so, so he's in New Orleans. He doesn't have – well, he's got Kamara. Michael Thomas is, is excited. He uh, tweeted that out. Uh, and he's got the young Chris Olave. Uh, he's got Tyson Hill. So, yeah, I think you got to go with the Saints with a veteran quarterback who knows how to move the ball around. And they got a defense, which the Raiders don't have. So – yeah, automatically Saints move to the front of the class uh, with Kyle Trask as the quarterback in Tampa, Desmond Ritter in Atlanta, and uh, Matt Corral would be the quarterback in Carolina if we had to go line up tomorrow and play. Yeah, you touched on the Raiders and the Chiefs and the battles in which they've had. Um, it wasn't even that long ago. Monday night football this season, um, and the Raiders worked by 20-odd points with Devontae Adams 
they went for two points at the end to win the game because essentially at that stage their defence the defence couldn't stop anybody but yeah it, so look it'll be interesting to see it's a, the Saints fans are excited but uh, look we've got a couple of interesting weeks ahead and then obviously we lead up to the draft and the Orlando we always appreciate your time you're always very respectful of the origin of the show we really appreciate your support so uh, hopefully we'll get you back on in the lead up to the draft the, the Falcons will have made some moves and we'll know exactly where we stand at that stage potentially on the quarterback for the Falcons in the, in the future Sure. Thanks for having me. Sorry we couldn't work out the Super Bowl before uh, Saturday before the game, but uh, Phoenix is so spread out, you know. But uh, uh, certainly, if we're uh, together in Vegas next year, we'll be. Uh, I'll be more than happy to come on the show and spend some time with the guys. I'm glad you said that to you, Orlando, because we're already we're already thinking ahead to next year's Super Bowl. Yeah, look, it was unfortunate. I said. For people who are listening, we, we, we did our utmost to have the Orlando on our live show at the stadium on the Saturday morning, um, which uh, with Matt Derrick came on from the Chiefs Digest, but unfortunately it didn't work out. But we did get a, pre- a few brief moments in the craziness that was Radio Row. I tried to explain to people, uh, the Orlando, since I got home, what Radio Row is like. It's hard to describe unless you've been there to experience it. And having been to last year's Super Bowl and this year's one, even... Even last year compared to this year, it was it was completely different. It's really back. It's back in a bang now. Yeah, no doubt, and that's a good thing. Uh, uh, glad everybody's out there talking about the game, and uh, you know, it's worldwide. Popularity of the NFL is uh, is uh, is growing, and I'm glad you all were able to come and enjoy that and see what a real radio row is like. It was fantastic, dear Andrew. As always, I really appreciate your time. Look forward to having you back on very soon. All right. Thanks for having me. You all take care. Stay in touch.